I'm just going with the flow. So, You're listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. Hey, welcome to the Three Wise Truck Guys for our latest discussion. John's on vacation today in, uh, in the island, so Clark, it's just you and me, the two really wise truck guys. The best two, right? The best two, that's the right. The best two. I do hope we can cover for John, and uh, hopefully he's having a great time wherever he's at in Hawaii. I know that's what he's what he's doing. So, uh, you know, Mark, last time, last time we were together, we talked about uh, parts pricing. We talked about some other things regarding parts with uh, Cody Miller from Bruckner. I thought that was a, a really interesting discussion to, uh, that we had a month ago. And uh, I know Amber's continuing to work with Cody and his team on, on, the, on their parts department. Do you have any thoughts about what we learned? No, I thought it was uh, I thought it was real interesting. You know, uh, I always say uh, service is harder than parts, but parts has some intricacies as well. Okay, I learned a lot from it. I hope our listeners did as well. I've had some good comments about it. So. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. It's really nice of you that you can give a little accolades to the parts department. Well, now and again, now and again, you, change you. I know that. Just don't forget, that. anybody can sell a quarter fender. <laughs> I can say a lot about some of your service techs too. Much. So, 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 hey, we uh, we do have two, maybe three uh, special guests joining us. I know that um, Amber's with a customer right now. She's trying to get get uh, to to this recording, but we do have uh, two other special guests joining us, Mark, and we'll, we'll introduce those uh, folks sure in a minute. But first things first. Let's start it off the way we usually do, Mark. So, um, best practices that you've observed, uh, best improvements, uh, whatever you want to call it, that, that you've observed for the last 30 days or so that you've been out in the field and talking to people. You know, uh, the biggest thing, okay, there seems to be uh, some momentum behind is uh, for the first time and as long as I've been around, dealerships are starting to focus more on maintenance. Okay, I don't know if it's because of the new uh, software plat- platforms that are out there, but I visited a dealer uh, recently that uh, uh, really, really has put together a department uh, and a staff and a team to give their customers really white glove service. Okay, they're using they're using TripVision and they're using Sentinel some somewhat. Okay. But it's all about, if you're not familiar with it, it's all about predictive maintenance and reaction to the codes, to the telematics that are on the trucks. And they go as far as looking up the uh, the codes and what it means and advising the customers whether they need to get the truck to a dealership now or, or they can drive it for until they get it back to the home office to go to the dealership and so forth. But they're monitoring and, and virtually diagnosing the entire customer fleet and looking at it every day and looking at the notices that are coming in for telematics along with predictive maintenance by such looking at the hours and the mileage and and uh, the maintenance package that the client wants and scheduling them in when they're in the home area of their stores scheduling it into their stores with a dedicated technician and a dedicated writer to handle it it's really a a white glove experience and when they're on the road they go out of the way to schedule it to a dealer uh, obviously in in their OE's uh, uh, make and models and so forth okay but 
uh, really giving white clubs a service. When I asked him why, okay, I mean, most dealers believe that uh, we've got more work than we can handle. Why would I worry about maintenance work that's typically discounted and so forth? The whole deal was all about wallet share and keeping the customer themselves. The old adage, I guess, of sales sells the first truck, service and parts sells all the other trucks to that dealer. I was really impressed with this dealership, and I'm seeing more and more other dealership groups adapting this software all at different levels but offering the same kind of services i know you had a you and uh, tom palinchar from our group had a big visit with that dealer group as well if I, yeah if I we really that. we really did okay hopefully we helped them work out some of the kinks in their process and so forth and and the different size uh, packages that they're offering but uh but it's really uh, something you and I have talked about a long time, uh, this wallet share factor. Why do right. we want our customers to go anywhere else for anything? And certainly if we're doing maintenance work, it's a little bit easier to have the right part in stock to today's call. A little bit less of a chance of a comeback, quite a bit less of a chance of comeback. And it doesn't take a highly skilled technician, it does take a trained technician to handle all of that, that maintenance work. So... Uh, base space is probably the biggest thing you have to overcome, but it's a fast-turning environment in that bay if you choose to dedicate a bay and, and do this, get into this market. Yeah. I, I think the one, the, the thing that just has stuck out to me in the last month, and I think we may have talked about this some before, but just the, the um, I think what the right term is, you, you use the term, I think, dedication or or, or that you know the people are looking at this white glove treatment type of of uh, engagement with the customer. I, I I find it really interesting right now as to people really starting to look at the at what we'll call productivity and efficiency of the headcount, especially on the administrative side. Um, I think it's interesting that that people are are really get looking at where can they cut expense where can they cut a cost out of the equation and not necessarily eliminating headcount but certainly not adding headcount to uh to, to the accounting department the admin department you know, as as they're growing the business they're trying to find ways to, to streamline payables i think payables is probably the the one that has the most opportunity for streamlining there's a, a lot of hands that that touch those things i I know Andrew, Amber and Mark have, have spent some time uh, uh, on that as well. But I, th I think that's a, I think it's interesting because it, it takes cost out of the equation. Um, you know, it, some of the things that we've seen people do are, are giving better control over that whole payables process. And I don't know if it's, certainly it's, it's a cost reduction, but I also wonder, Mark, if it's, if it's not also along the lines of that they can't find people, you know, can't find um, people to come to work in that, in those payables areas and so forth. And so they're looking at, at other ways to, to uh, process the same amount of invoices or more invoices, but doing it with the same or fewer headcounts. I, I think in every department, it's, it's hard to find people. In any business right now, it's hard to find people or at least quality people. And right. uh, so maybe it's somewhat forced because of that issue. But the benefits of it is more efficiency for 
whichever team you do have, more involvement, more worth to each of those uh, personnel. And I would guess the personnel feel a little bit better about uh, playing a bigger role in the dealership and so forth. Um, based on the feedback that I've heard from some of the customers that I know you all have been working with, okay, uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, they're getting more done with either the same number of people or maybe a person or two less um, and they're not looking as hard to add more people because they've removed waste from the process and built the structure. How many times do I talk about that in the service yeah, department? Exactly. Okay, so, and it applies to every department. So, so go ahead and take, take the, the second half of the question, which is the not-so-good stuff that you've seen in the last month. What's, what's one thing you've seen or touched or felt? Well, I, th I think the not-so-good stuff okay that i've seen it's it's not stepping up and keeping quality technicians okay uh, most dealerships i think uh have, have recognized that technician a good technician can write its own ticket and go anywhere and and the dealers that are not stepping up with benefits and their pay and their flexible hours and so forth uh to, to keep that inventory in their shop okay are, are in some cases a few cases there have been a mass exodus of of the top tier technicians okay because they can get that now in a lot of other places so right. not treating them as a uh, um i hate to use the word as a regular employee okay but treating them as inventory and the value that they bring to the dealership and and stepping up and it's not just about pay it's about being part of a team getting feedback on their performance okay uh, flexibility in hours is a huge thing okay but but working with them finding ways to retain the techs you have everybody's looking for techs right right okay and and they, they aren't out there unless you steal them someplace so uh you better retain the ones you have yeah yeah i'll tell you that I, you used the term process and structure earlier and i think the thing that that i really saw and i just saw it in the past probably two weeks, um, just did some discussions and observations that we made with some dealers. And I think that the interesting part of the, the, the observation was we started talking about process and structure. What about process? And, and the response that I got from, uh, from, from several of the, of the people that we're engaged with and the discovery and some of the teaching, some of the some of the one-on-one uh, -on -one work was well, we have a process and one guy opened his book up and showed me you know his workflow and and service and uh, a couple of questions came out of it one was when's the last time anybody else had ever seen that that workflow and number two was more importantly how does he how does he measure that workflow and i think that was a really um eye-opening question not that i not because i asked it but when we talked about how do you measure the process you know i think there's a lot of opinion or not a lot of opinion a lot of thought that you hand somebody a, a, a workflow chart and just because i hand it to mark betson that that mark is going to know exactly how to do that workflow and we never measure it we never look at anything on it and so we get we get upset when the process doesn't work well a process is designed so you can measure it, know where it breaks at, what 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 the what causes something on down the line, so you can adjust the process. And I think that's ninety five percent of the reason you have a process. 
not because of the of the flip chart or the, the workbook or whatever. Yeah, and and to go with that, they don't take the time to build the structure and train on the structure to make it efficient for them to do the process a new or a different way, uh, driving that true efficiency. Right. right. So. I just think that then a whole idea of measuring process, and I know that that's one of the things that that uh, we might get into here today with some of our guests. But you know, figure out how you measure a process, not just open to last or anything like that, but those steps along the way. Did you do that's this right. step? All right. So that's structure. Yeah, value stream mapping. Yep. Well, I tell you what. Why don't we move on, Mark? Why don't we All get right. into our discussion here? So we are going to talk about the parts department again and. Uh, you know, I think we asked this question last time, but when you when you work with the parts um, team, Mark, and in your engagements, what what's the value that the parts department brings to your service engagements? And I know that they do bring quite a bit. I know, as much as you don't want to say they bring any, I know that they bring a, a lot if if it's working the way you want it to. So yeah, well, the value e of it? E even even in a store that needs help. They bring a lot. Obviously, you can't do service without parts, okay? But, but more importantly, from the whole dealership, uh, it impacts fixed gross profit significantly, very significantly, and as such, impacts absorption. Whether you're measuring fixed absorption or total absorption, okay, it drastically impacts those things and allows the dealership to be more profitable or have more cash on hand and so forth, okay? The direct impact to the service department is the ability to turn more hours. Now, that equates to turning trucks faster back to the customer, less dwell time, and growth in service revenue, which, by the way, because of a parts-to-labor ratio, also helps the parts department grow as well. So it's exponential. In fact, one of my... Um, one of my little spreadsheet worksheets that I use at almost every single uh, workshop I do, I call the six-minute rule. And if I'm making 75 cents for every dollar of labor I produce and my parts-to-labor ratio is one-to-one, -one, which is average today, and I'm right. making 28 cents on every part that I sell on repair orders, I think those are pretty close to our benchmarks. That's over a dollar in gross profit for the total dealership for every dollar we take in through service. And you can't do that without parts. That's right. That's right. You know, I, I, I'm going to just say the same thing that I said last time. You know, that without parts, it's really hard to get to that fixed absorption number. That's right. Uh, you know, but to your point, Marv, they have to work together because that is the only place you're going to get the more than one dollar in gross profits. Um, whenever you make a, a sale, and I think that's uh, that's that's a really really um, it's a really important thing to know. And of course, if they don't have the part and so forth, that just causes problems for uh, right, right. For, for, for a lot of waste in the process automatically yeah. if the part's not in stock. So yep, yep. Well, why don't we why don't we introduce our guests? So uh, I think Amber Kelzer has arrived into our room. So. Um, Amber was with us last time, Mark. So she's going to she's going to be here talking to our our guests from the dealership, and also um, with Mark Betson. Mark is uh, one of our other business intelligence professionals, and um, Mark has has done some work again with the client that we're going to talk to, um, starting to identify some parts personnel productivity 
try and say that three times, Mark. Parts, personnel, productivity. Uh, performance measures. There's another P in there for you as well. So, Amber, um, welcome to, uh, to the Thank podcast. Thank you. I'm excited again. to be we're, here. We're really glad to have you. Well, I know that you're uh, you're not in the office today, and you had to be working with a customer. So, thank you for taking taking time. And you want to give us just a little bit of background on a on a parts pricing strategy and structure. Um, I'd love to give some background. Really, uh, in this day and age, uh, we're looking not only at increasing margins, but then what does it take to deliver for um, customers inside of dealerships? And luckily, um, the newest member of our business intelligence team has quite the background in looking at staffing productivity. Um, so we really uh, leveraged Mark Betson's skills um, to help look at the different ways to measure the process um, from the point a customer requests a part to the delivery of that part to the customer and what it looks like from a staffing perspective. Mark, do you want to okay. kind of explain a little bit of that? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so first of all, uh, thank you for letting me be a part of the podcast. Uh, really happy to be here with you guys. Um, yeah, like Amber said, um, I've got uh, about eight years of process experience improvement, and a lot of that has been uh, with inventory and throughput. Um, so when I started hearing some conversation around the office here um, about a, uh, a, a customer, a dealer who was looking at uh, parts department uh, staffing productivity um, and looking how to assess and potentially improve that. Um, yeah, my ears perked up a little bit, uh, and I thought, man, this is something that uh, that really is an interest to me. Um, so I kind of got involved in looking at, uh, in general, uh, you know, what are the industry standard uh, metrics to look at, and, and what are the goals? What are the benchmarks? Uh, what are the key benchmarks for those uh, metrics? And uh, Really, you know, saw a couple uh, that are great for a holistic look of the parts department. Um, but we started looking at, uh, you know, what I kind of refer to as drill down metrics of, uh, okay, within the parts department, where are the specific areas of opportunities? What data can we look at? What metrics can we track to see uh, exactly where our opportunities for improvement are? Um, there wasn't a whole lot out there um, that we saw. So uh, we kind of started getting creative and, and, and kind of said, well, a lot of the data is out there um, and we might just have to kind of make some of our own metrics um, and then look at what the right benchmarks, what the right goals are. Um, so uh, started start looking at that for this specific customer. I know we're going to get into that a little bit more later uh but just as kind of an introduction that's how um that's how i kind of became involved uh in in this project great thanks mark mark i'll tell you what i know we've got one of the guests um i'm gonna let you introduce our guest because i know you and he have a great long time relationship and uh you also have a affinity for some college football team with him as well so i'll let you introduce him Hey, Mark. All right, so Mark, I'm going to let you introduce our our third guest. Um, you and he have a long, long time relationship, a, a great relationship. Uh, I know you you guys work on several projects together, and 
you also have this affinity for a football team together. So, uh, Mark, I'll let you take. take roll tied, everybody. Roll tied. <laughs> roll tied. <laughs> Key Advisors does have a long relationship with McMahon Truck Centers, and specifically mm -hmm. Ryan Donald, who I guess is uh, is it service director, vice president of fixed operations. What's your title, Ryan? Director of Fixed Operations, Oversee Parts and Service. Parts and Service. So let me introduce Ryan Donald from McMahon Truck Centers. Ryan, tell them a little bit about yourself and then tell us a little bit about how you got involved on the parts side of this. Okay, well, to, to begin, I would like to say Roll Tide since that was rolled out as uh, <laughs> part of the introduction there. <laughs> Um, I've been with, I've been in dealership operations for 26 years. Uh, it's primarily all I've done is, is work in, in uh, dealer ops. Started out as a technician actually, um, and then and then a few years later uh, became parts manager for a few years, service manager, general manager um, of our Nashville operation for six years, and then we created this position, director of fixed operations, to oversee parts and service for the group. Um, we have 10 rooftops now, so it became something that we needed to do from a, from a corporate perspective. And I've held that position for, uh, I think, four and a half years now. So definitely been involved in, in, in uh, fixed operations for a long time and really dig deep into both parts and service. So it's, uh, it's fun. Ryan do, you have a, Ryan, do you have an accounting background as well? I do. I graduated from Middle Tennessee State with, uh, with a degree in accounting. So I, I uh, turned wrenches all day long and went to school at night. So that was a, that was a tough road to hoe, but uh, we got it done. There you go. Well, we're really glad to have you. Okay, um, and and it's nice to have somebody besides me on here that roots for the tide. So <laughs> great to have you, Amber. Uh, I know you've built a good relationship with Ryan as well. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the issues you and Ryan? Well, usually the way it works initially? is Ryan calls and then I solve the problem. He always has a very clear direction of where he wants to go, and it's just about how I can uh, maybe support that with a little bit of data. But. Um, Honestly, initially, it was just looking at overall margin long time ago, it feels like, um, and saw some opportunities just based on the markets that um, McMahon is in and their OE. There was just some opportunity to grow the margin. And so then um, we initially just looked at where within the margin is the biggest opportunity. And we split it by source, really, to start. Um, and then we split it by price code just to see how current what the current performance looked like. And I really think that by looking at how price codes were performing and how sources were performing, um, Ryan, please feel free to correct me. That's where you started to pinpoint um, maybe how you could either group customers a little differently or, or um, escalate parts, um, like proprietary to highly competitive a little bit differently to grow that margin. Yeah, I would say to start, you know, our initial, we had a, a really a litany of problems. Um, it did start with gross margin. We had uh, very poor gross margins group-wide. I think, uh, Keith, I think it was around 23, 24, maybe 23. I just looked, you know, I just looked, Ryan, and I, I this would have not been when we started, but it would have been one of the first iterations after we 
as a group started addressing it, and we're at 20, just a shade above 24. And so I think you're right. I think it probably was at 23 range when we started. Yeah, yeah, 23, which is entirely unacceptable. And I went to Keith, you know, and basically said, Keith, what, you know, you see a lot of dealerships out there. What, what would you think? What is the, what, what, what's the uh, margin? What should our margin goal be? Um, and we came up with 28. You know, 28 is, is probably on the low side of what our margin goal should be, but that's where we that's, that's what we wanted to target. Um, from a, uh, from a group-wide perspective, you know, as you acquire locations and um, you, you kind of take on the good habits and the bad habits of that particular location. And as we've grown, it became pretty obvious that we had we were doing something individual at every location. So we had no standardized pricing structure whatsoever. And from a from a group management perspective, um, it was extremely frustrating to try to you know drill down and figure out how we're going to solve this margin problem. So the first thing I think we decided we had to do was develop a pricing strategy. You know, what is our philosophy? I mean, how do we want to bring all of our our locations into that same philosophy? Um, and then and then turn the dials and pull the levers to actually achieve the margin. So the first thing was yes to put them put put these uh, parts in the same buckets at every location. So obviously, knowing Amber as I do, you got a lot of data from Amber. Okay, how did you introduce that to your team, and what was their initial feedback? That did they understand it? Was it a struggle? Um, you know, getting 10 stores involved in a project like this had to be uh, a pretty big task. Yeah, I mean, you know, what we did is we, we initially started with meetings, you know, and we would get together in person and, and, and discuss how we wanted the, the layout of the parts to look in the system. You know, what, what were the buckets? We had to define the buckets. So we, you know, created six different buckets, basically truck down proprietary, truck down competitive, non-truck down proprietary, non-truck down competitive, maintenance proprietary and maintenance competitive so once we determined that we could we could put all of our parts in those same buckets across all across the entire organization it started to simplify the process so then when when amber runs uh, reporting we're all looking at the same we're looking at it from the same perspective if you will but that was just that was just the starting point uh this this took us keith you can tell me i i mean I'm, years i mean a little yeah. You know, we've worked very diligently on this for years um, because, and I don't know to what extent we want to get into this, but the, the pricing model with our DMS is pretty complex. Yeah. And so we spent a lot of time. Uh, once, we, once we put the parts in the right places, we spent a lot of time developing price codes that we could assign to our customer base bases um, at each location. And we wanted to have the... the standardization of price codes as well so we're looking at we got them all in the same buckets and now we're going to assign we're going to create the same price codes at every location yep i think i think what's interesting about it ryan too is we've done this is is the amount of not just effort but the amount of analysis that you and your team continue to do on this you know two plus years after we after the I'm not going to say the initial structure, but uh, I guess the final structure was was put into place. Uh, you know, just just the amount of work and 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 analysis and how in touch you are 
with with what the stores are doing in regards to margin and just challenging for your team on looking at the margins. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you know, we had a meeting today. We have a monthly meeting with with you guys, with Key. It's all of our parts managers and myself, um, and, and and another gentleman that works for me who handles who handles parts, product, uh, and uh, and strategy for all makes business. We're all on the call, and we we, we keep it to an hour. Um, Amber puts together a very comprehensive uh, analysis of the previous month as it relates to margins by price codes. Uh, by customer, by source, pretty much any way you want to slice the data, she's got it there available for us. We ask our people to become, to come to the meeting prepared to discuss their individual location, and we do. We drill down. We even know we know we know what our expected margin percentage is, what our goal is, our corporate goal by price code. So if we're pretty far off of that goal by price code. You know, we'll literally drill down and look at the uh, the sales for that particular price code for the month and see if we can uncover some additional work to do or maybe discover that we've, you know, internally had some people override our pricing model and pricing structure, which I think we found that today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you kind of continue to manage the process and tweak. and uh, But, it, it, yeah, I, I think it's. I really do think it's a constant evolution. You have to test, you know, and adjust as you go. So the analytics help you do that. And uh, I, getting 10 stores on board, okay, did you find some came on board sooner than others, I would guess? Okay, and, and the stragglers, how did you go about that? Yeah, no doubt you have some early adopters and you have some, some naysayers and I tell you, it's funny because, and, and Keith knows who I'm talking about, one of our locations, the, the very, right off the bat, from parts management, general management, everybody says, there's no way we're going to achieve those margins in parts. It's not going to happen. And as of today and as of now, those, that particular location, there's actually three stores in that location, but that, that area of our, of, our, of our business, they went from worst to first. They lead. They lead in margin percentage now. So uh, it took them a while to come on board, but we just kept at it, and uh, and they eventually ad adopted the philosophy, and it absolutely worked. I mean, that's the thing you have to do. You have to put it in place and then watch it work. And once people start seeing, hey, it does work. You can improve your margins. And by the way, continue to grow part sales. Uh, that's the other thing we did in these in in, in this this sort of naysayer environment. So uh, it's been a it's a been a resounding success. Oh, that's great. You don't have to you don't have to uh, mention the the percentages that you're running on, but you're happy with the improvements and the additional controls that you have in place at this point. Absolutely. And again, I'll reiterate: this is not a one and done. It's a constant evolution. If we did not if we didn't continue to have these monthly you know check ins. And if we didn't continue to uh, to uh, have Key produce this this analysis of data, um, I really feel like it's something that would that would that would probably start to wean. You just have to stay on top of it. And and the other side of the equation too is there's you know th there's a mix of parts in the business. So when we created our targets, we basically created our our target margins by price code based on proprietary parts and as we continue to add more and more vendor parts 
uh, it changes the mix of parts <coughs> that we're selling in, in that particular price code. So sometimes uh, we, we might we might miss our our price code uh, target margin by by fairly significant amount. But again, you don't just say, "Well, we missed it." We take we, we dig deep into the data analysis. Um, and we understand exactly what's driving those results, and that's and that is critical and key. Oh, that's good. So the other side of this, I think, uh, Amber, what's was uh, productivity? Uh, did you offer some advice to uh, Ryan on the parts productivity side, or how did you guys? You know, to be uh, fair, I think that question side? really originated with Ryan. I think he said. I have a lot of people in one of my locations and it seems like maybe we need more. Is there any way you guys have of measuring that? Or, or Ryan, maybe that wasn't quite the extent of the discussion. Yeah, I mean, we have a location. Again, I'm trying not to name, <laughs> name our location. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we have a location that seems to be heavy on people. And we've had a tremendous amount of sales growth in that location. Uh, the margins in that location are not always exactly where we want them to be. So I believe firmly that as you increase sales for every additional dollar in increased sales, you're going to have an additional cost associated with that. So you have to understand, and I think that's something that's difficult for parts managers to understand sometimes because they don't, they don't, sometimes I think they think of the business in terms of uh, what's right in front of them at the time. I need another driver. I need another truck. I'm having this issue. I need to put this fire out. Blah, blah, blah. And so I think you have to really step back sometimes and go, if we're going to grow our sales, we know we're going to have additional costs associated with that. So we better produce margins that are going to create this, that are going to produce a profitable scenario when we grow this business. And so I think one of the ways to evaluate that is to really look at the productivity of the people that you have in the department. So, yeah, the ask was, um, is there any way to break down efficiency and productivity uh, by headcount and understand if a, if a department is, is performing from a pro productivity perspective similar to what we do with technicians? Um, and then they, they took off and started to uh, produce this analysis, which I think is, is, is really, really cool. Amber, you want to dig in a little bit deeper? Well, that with Mark and you and Ryan, because I, I find this. You know, we were we were just very, discussing very it. You and I in uh, the room we like to call the campfire in our office because I sometimes feel like that's where the meeting of the minds always happens. Um, but I believe Ryan had asked that question of you, and you kind of brought it to me and said, "You've done some staffing analysis in your life. You've looked at productivity and um, you know cost per cart and cost per part. What are some thoughts you have?" Um, and Mark had just started on our team as well at that time, and he had um, even more experience in that area than I did. Um, and so, to be fair, I said, hey, Mark, let's talk it through. And we met, and we kind of brainstormed out. Again, he shared this, and I'll let him share it again. There's not a lot of benchmarks in the trucking industry for how many pieces an inventory clerk should be able to pull or how many deliveries a driver should be able to do in a day. And so really it's about understanding what is your current process and how do you measure the current process? How do you look at how many pieces and invoices and deliveries you can do in a day? 
and identify the ways to improve that process. Mark, you want to kind of walk through um, what you found in looking at the numbers? Yeah, sure. Um, so the first metric that we looked at, um, not just for the one branch that, that Ryan mentioned um, that had increased sales and, and was adding staffing, um, but for uh, four of the main branches, what we looked at was cost of goods sold per person per month. Um, we knew that, uh, again, that's kind of a holistic look uh, of the parts department as a whole. Uh, you know, how, how is the, the personnel in that parts department, what is their productivity, their efficiency like? Um, so uh, we knew that the key benchmark for that was 50,000. Um, and what we saw is that there was a couple branches who were doing very well. Um, one was at, uh, we pulled three months of data, and for that three months, uh, one of them was at 55,000 a person, and one was right at 60,000 a person. Um, so we knew uh, that within uh, the same dealership, we had a, a couple company or sorry a couple branches uh who again who were, who were doing this really well in the parts department um and we were able to kind of use that as a benchmark for some of these drill down metrics for the branches um who were not doing as well and so uh we could kind of use that um that initial metric to see okay so so what should the ideal staffing be in each one of these branches um and so we determined that there really was a difference in the performance between these branches uh, and we needed to start determining uh, again where is that area of opportunity how can we drill it down um, so the the three main roles that we looked at within the parts department we looked at counter people um, including front and back counter people uh, we looked at uh, what i call the warehouse worker uh, the employee who's uh, putting away and pulling the the parts from inventory uh, and then we looked at the delivery drivers. Um, and again, we didn't really see metrics that were out there that were available uh, to determine uh, what should they be doing? How many deliveries should a delivery driver be able to make in a day? Uh, you know, how many parts or pieces should a, a warehouse employee be able to, to pull out of inventory in a day? Um, so uh, we just took the data and that started getting benchmarks from the, the branches that were doing really well. Um, and we were able to see, uh, again, how those lower performing branches or some branches that had area for opportunity, um, how did they compare? Um, and what would be the, the gain uh, when we look at ideal staffing and, and improvement uh, to profitability uh, if those parts departments were performing uh, at the same level as the, as the higher performing branches? So, Mark, did you have to take into uh, Orion uh, into consideration uh, the geographical layout, uh, how wide they were they were delivering parts, and those kinds of things as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know what Mark came up. And by the way, this, we're just, in my opinion, we're just scratching the surface with this stuff. I mean, this is like this is this is brand new. We're still evaluating uh, precisely what what all this means. I mean. To his point, there's no, and to my knowledge, no no standardization, no benchmarks out there for these types of things, but it's fascinating to evaluate. And you can look at it within our own organization and see that there are vast differences between locations related to how we're performing, for instance, invoices per counterperson or pieces pulled uh, and received 
per warehouse person per location. I mean, they're they're vastly different. So yes, Mark, and when you late when it relates to uh, like the evaluating delivery in uh, one location, we have a, a a very large AOR, and so that's going to look a little different than. A more you know sort of metropolitan area where where you have multiple delivery drivers that are gonna you know hit deliveries within you know 10, 10 miles of the dealership primarily so I think it's gonna take a minute for us to uh, you know evaluate this to the point where we can we can really make some changes and understand what's good and what's not but we're we're definitely getting there but do you feel like it's improving well we're again we're, we're just getting started with this we talk about it in our meetings and we discuss it so i think we're going to have to get to the place where we we understand what good is again you know what 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 is good yeah because i don't think you can take any particular single analysis or ratio and make hard fast decisions on that you have to look at the whole bottle of wax right you have to you have to team team up ratios um, just like sales to expense ratio. That's not, it's a good one to look at. It's important, but you can't make decisions based on just that one ratio. And I think this right. is one of many. And we, it needs, we need to continue down this path and, and, uh, and understand how, what, what, what does good look like? So, so Mark, Mark Betson, what, what do you, uh, what do you think the next step is of this? Of, of this process with with Ryan on the productivity, uh, not just the analysis, but how, what are the next steps in in this identifying what good looks like and you know starting to put together a a plan of attack for for uh, for McMahon's parts departments in terms of productivity and efficiency. Yeah, I think um, when we look at what the next step would be, you know, like Ryan said, identifying. Uh, what good looks like, what are the right goals um, when we look at the separation of duties within the shop or areas uh, of, of delivery um, for each branch. Uh, but then when we look at actually making those improvements, uh, you know, one, one of the things that is always important is going to be uh, instead of just telling the team, uh, here's your new goal, uh, you're currently uh, putting and pulling 100 pieces an hour, you're now expected to do 120 an hour, um, figure out how to do it kind of thing. And if you're not doing it, then you're not meeting the expectations. And let's talk about if you're the right person for the team. Um, you know, if you attack it like that, you're probably not gonna get a lot of good results. Um, so I think really the next step is once you've identified the goals, the right metrics and the right goals, it's uh, talking with the team about uh, what are the obstacles? Uh, what would it take to get to 120 an hour if you're at 100 right now? Uh, being able to um, watch the process and identify, um, you know, is it a, a shop layout, kind of a visual management kind of issue? Um, being able to uh, discuss with the team because uh, they're the, the experts uh, for all of these tasks. Being able to discuss with the team uh, what obstacles they're facing, what they feel like is getting in their way, um, what tools or maybe technology could help them improve, um, and then being able to actually watch them do the work and see the process in person. 
Um, I think I think once you've done that, uh, then the step after that is, is just going to be to create the standard. Um, so understanding for each branch, um, what is the reality uh, for that parts department? Uh, what does the, the standard process need to be there? Uh, and then making sure that the whole team um, is trained on that, understands it, understands the metrics, the goals. Um, and that's really when you can start auditing and holding people accountable. Um, so I think you asked for the next step, and, and maybe I listed in my mind what <laughs> are. So. That's all right. That's so all right. It, started, it, it could be hard for me to stop. It sounds like a big project. Sounds like a huge Absolutely. Project. I, yeah, and, and I think with a lot of the stuff with my experience, um, you know, the, the documenting, training, auditing, um, visual management, uh, efficient layouts, that kind of stuff, a lot of it's not groundbreaking uh, groundbreaking stuff. Um, it just takes a lot of effort. It takes time, and it takes commitment to follow through. But it so, all starts with being able to measure the process, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, no, Ryan, no, go ahead, Mark. So, Ryan, uh, it sounds like you still got your hands full with the productivity side, and your it's ongoing support and adjustment on the uh, pricing side, the gross profit side. Uh, any other goals uh, for the future as we go forward or still working on those two areas? Well, yeah, there's all, there's there's always going to be a, a, a lot of goals. I think at this point, and I would agree with Mark that our next step related to productivity is to is to is to get together in person and really see process and discuss what those what those obstacles may or may not be. I mean, you can you can learn a lot by evaluating the data, but when you couple that data with with reality, um, I think we're going to be able to uncover quite a few opportunities in doing that. So the next step, absolutely, would be to get to one of our locations and have in person meetings regarding productivity. And to your point, and to and to answer you, Mark, I, I really want to stay focused on these projects right now, and then we'll move to another one. All right. Well, Keith, is there anything else, or do we need to thank these fine people for? Well, I think I think let's let's ask him one more question. This is one that I think that all three of them can have a good time with here. Um, what's one piece of advice that you guys would have? So, Mark, uh, Amber, Ryan, that you guys have for our listeners? It could be something regarding what we've talked about here in terms of parts pricing strategies and and building structure into that parts pricing um, process, if you will, or the, the uh, uh, parts productivity piece of this. Maybe it's something else that, that as you guys have, have, have looked at, either talked to each other or looked at, at data or, or experienced something with another customer. Something that, that, that each one of you would give some advice to. It doesn't have to be pinpoint advice, but maybe some, you know, a, a broad brush piece of advice to our uh, to our listeners, I'll start with that. I think yeah. I think it's important. Um, I think we all have a tremendous amount of, of uh, various things going on every day in our in our business life and personal life. And when it comes to things like margin, um, to me that's that's one of those business critical factors that you have to decide. You know, you're going to tackle that. Um, and you're going to do whatever it takes to get to an acceptable gross margin. Um, 
you got to, I think you have to drill in and focus. And so I think my advice would be if that's a pro, if parts pricing and, and gross margin, for instance, is a project that you're interested in, in, in focusing on, then, then set aside other projects. You know, focus on one project at a time and take it all the way through. And I would also recommend um, working with someone like Keith because um, certainly, you know, myself and our parts managers, you know, we can get in the room and, and we discuss things. Um, but, we, but it takes that outside consultation a lot of times to, to really kind of open our, open our minds up and uh, and kind of get us to to we can develop the goals, but but he helps us get there. So, uh, yeah, those two things I would think. Yeah, right. I'll just Amber, I'm gonna interrupt you real quick. You know, I did I I know we don't want to talk about the the impact in terms of dollars on that the purchase pricing piece has had, but you know, you you've alluded to that it, it's been a significant change in margin, and I think it's it's impacted your absorption quite a bit and I and I'll give you kudos to, to Mark I, I think you would too to Ryan for the fact that they've really focused on this thing for two years plus that they've you've really hammered away on this and uh, um, I think it's it's paid for itself many many times over both uh, in terms of, of more more dollars but also I think it's probably easier for your team to understand the 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 way the structure's built and, and what it should look like. You alluded to that earlier of being able to benchmark the price codes, the resources and other things. And boy, sure, your team does a great job of being able to break that down now and understand what's happening. Yeah, I mean, all the hard work going into going into setting it up is really paying off now because to, the, to your point, if we want to make a change with a price code, if we want to make an adjustment to our pricing model, it's as simple as, as, you know, a button here, a lever here, whereas before we wouldn't even know where to start. So it, it, I think it's critical to get that consistency. If, you, if you're in a group, to have that consistency in, in source setup, price codes, uh, philosophy, the model has to be consistent so that you can really tweak it anytime you want. You know, no, you're good. Very good. Something I would say, and yeah, whether right. it's with pricing or with productivity, and uh, Mark Betson might tell me that I beat him to the punch, but when you're in the discovery phase and you're trying to understand why aren't you where you want to be, don't make any assumptions. Go straight to the source, to the person in the warehouse, to the delivery driver, and ask. You know, the majority of people go to work every day wanting to do a good job, and they do what they're held accountable to. And so if we're missing something or we're not where we want to be, they usually have a really good idea of what would make their job easier or more productive. Um, and we all have assumptions. We all think we know. And you know what? A lot of times maybe we do. But really going to the source um, to get the information and being real open-minded about what you might hear um, will typically lead you down the right path. Very good. Mr. Betson, I'll let you close this out. Yeah, I would say uh, simplify the decision-making process for your team as much as possible. Uh, so whether that's how to complete a task uh, or what their top priority should be, where they should flex when there's not enough work to keep them in the right priority, 
uh, in, the, in the top priority. Uh, simplifying their decision-making process as much as possible. Uh, it will uh, reduce the chaos. It will reduce uh, strife within the team of one person thinking, um, you know, this is the best way to do it or this should be our top priority. Um, and that person doesn't think so. Uh, you know, they want to do it a different way. Um, so having standards, clear expectations, um, standard processes, uh, and again, just simplifying um, all the decisions that they have to make, um, I think uh, returns big results in the Very performance good. of the team. Very good. Well, thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Um, Mark, Amber, Mr. Donald, anything before we call it an afternoon? Any other thoughts, any other comments before we go? No, thanks for all you do for us, and that's been, been a great partnership, and we're going to continue to to uh, to move forward in this partnership and, and create more success stories. No, we we appreciate it a lot. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks afternoon. for yeah, thank to you work for with us. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. Um, I'm going to pause this right now. Well, Mark. Uh, thank you. Mark. Wow. You know what? Parts isn't quite as easy as I thought it was. Well, you're being kind to me. It's just because you've got the video <laughs> on and you feel sorry for me or something. So yeah, it, <clears throat> we we can't make it in service without parts. That's for sure. And, uh, and I think okay. it's it works the other way around too. I, I I appreciated all three of those folks being on. I, I know that you and Ryan have had a a long long term business relationship and it's a friendship as well and. Um, I, I just think he's a fantastic, not just customer, he's just fantastic to work with and very knowledgeable about what goes on. I really, really appreciate him taking time today. Well, and he really cares about the business and yeah, all of his locations. <clears throat> Great yep. to have him. Yep. Great to have him. Hey, you got anything else before we go? I, I'm hoping John makes it back from uh, Hawaii okay and that we can. Uh, I don't know if I was him. If I was him at my age, I might not come back. Okay, well, that's probably true. Lori may not want him to come back. He may Who knows? Not. That's right. So, yeah, so. but you thanks to all of our listeners. Yeah. Okay. You know, we paused each for a while, and I guess we used COVID as an excuse, but we got a lot of feedback. They wanted it, so uh, y'all let us know if this is the stuff you want. Absolutely. Right. So I think next next time, Mark, I think we're going to talk about. Parts. I think we've got two more of these parts discussions that we're going to work through. And then we're going to turn to your favorite topic, accounting. Okay, good. <laughs> so, Mark, as always, I appreciate you taking time to yeah, Thank you. And, and, and uh, make sure to thank Amber and, and Mark Betson. And, uh, uh, again, if uh, Ryan, if you're listening to this, okay, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, as Mark said, to all of our listeners. We appreciate uh, all of you taking time to, to listen to us, and, and uh, hopefully you gather something out of it. If there is topics that you'd like to learn more about, certainly you can reach out to us. You can reach out to uh, info at keaadvisors.com, and uh, it'll go to our website. You can drop a, a message there. Certainly Mark at KEA Advisors or Keith at KEA Advisors, and we'll we'll certainly take your input and uh, 
in an attempt to uh, build something meaningful for you. If you're interested in talking to uh, Amber and Mark Betson about the ports pricing strategies and ports pricing structures, how that might be beneficial for your dealership and how they could help you out, uh, certainly reach out to Amber at KEAadvisors.com or Mark B at KEAadvisors.com. They can help you with, with both the uh, parts pricing strategy discussion as well as starting to, to talk about some personnel productivity analysis as well. Um, with that, once again, I appreciate all of you tuning in, and we look forward to, uh, to talking to you next month. So with, that, with uh, nothing else to say, we, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors. We'd love to hear from you. Send us feedback, comments, and questions to info at keyadvisors.com.